0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God. Clothed with humility is our subject. Proverbs 22 and verse 4 is our opening text, which says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. First week of the year, we talked about priorities and the importance of prioritizing our lives, biblically speaking. Putting God first, our spouse second, our children third, and then, of course, our jobs, our church. And then it goes right on down the list, our government and other things. Of course, we know that they're interwoven, working together. But being certain that God comes first and then spouse, children, etc. It's so important. And then we talked about the fear of the Lord. And you know why? Because if, if a person doesn't really fear God, they won't be concerned about priorities. Fear means the reverence that we have for God. And biblically speaking, what really the fear of the Lord is... It's a controlling motive of a person's life and matters whether they're spiritual or they're mortal or moral. And so we're moved because we reverence God to obey him and to live our lives the way he wants us to live our lives. It's not just saying I'm a Christian and then ignoring everything that he tells us to do. OK, so thirdly, we want to talk about humility. And for the for this reason, you notice what that scripture said, where there's humility and the fear of the lord there's riches honor and life and i don't know anyone who doesn't want those three things riches honor and life and of course it's eternal so in the book of first peter chapter five the apostle peter talked about this subject called humility and we're going to pull out some statements that he made in these verses but let's read the verses first in first peter chapter five likewise you younger Submit yourselves unto the elder, yea, all of you be subject one to another, and now notice, be clothed with humility. For God, he tells why, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. We're going to pull out some statements here made by Peter. Number one, be clothed with humility. We are to clothe ourselves with humility. You know, when I went into my closet this morning, it was a decision I had to make whether I was going to wear the black suit or the blue suit. So I made a decision to wear the black one. I clothed myself with a black suit. That simple. Clothing ourselves with humility is our responsibility. We can be clothed with pride or we can be clothed with humility. It's not something that we automatically have just because we've been saved, just because we've been spirit-filled, just because we're a minister or just because we're a musician or a singer. Uh, it doesn't matter what our status is, what our position is. Humility is something that we choose to clothe ourselves with. We must make that decision for ourselves. And he gives us a very powerful reason. Look at point number two. He says, because God resisteth the proud. Now, you know as well as I do, there's a lot of resistance when it comes to our Christian faith. Is there not? We've got the devil resisting us. If we want to advance into things of God, he'll put up a barrier, put up a wall to stand against us and prevent our going forward in the things of god we've got the world that's out there you surround yourself in the world you don't realize what it's like when you're in a protected environment and all those forces are not coming against you but you get out there into an unprotected environment and you see how other people are. that's why when we send our youth off to college we want to let them know that you're going to be in a different environment You're going to be exposed to all kinds of things that are out there, especially professors that don't even know God or believe in God, that are atheists and try to convince people like you to give up your faith and abort your faith in God. So you've got the devil against you. You've got the world resisting you. You know, we have the flesh, the flesh. Did you ever notice how your flesh wants to resist you moving forward in the things of God? Just try a time of fasting and prayer. And your flesh rebels immediately. Before you ever begin. And then what about our emotional. Reasonings and feelings. How they resist us. From advancing and going forward. In the things of God. Well if we got all these things resisting us. Do we want to really add God to that list. God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Let me give an example. When it comes to our emotional feelings. Resisting us. Look in Matthew's Gospel chapter 5 and verses 11 and 12. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Did you notice what Jesus said to do when you're evil spoken of? When people speak all manner of evil against you and persecute you and say terrible things and hate you and ostracize you. Well, think about this. Has anyone ever told you some things you didn't like to hear about yourself? Did you do exactly what he said to do? Rejoice and be glad. Look at Luke's rendition of this. Look at what Luke said. Blessed are you and men shall hate you and shall and when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy, a giant eagle. <laughs> Behold, your reward is great in heaven for in like manner did, the, they did their fathers unto the prophets. Notice some things he said here. Your emotional feelings are not going to want to do what he said to do. When someone speaks evil of you and says all manner of evil against you and about you, especially for your Christian witness, you don't feel like jumping up and rejoicing and shouting and all that. But when you notice this, you're going to have a great reward if you do. And if you notice this, he's, put, he's placing you in company with the prophets of old who were also persecuted. In other words, when you get persecuted for saying, I'm a Christian, you're in, you're in company with Isaiah, Jeremiah ezekiel and the list goes on and on all the prophets but my point is your feelings and emotions will resist that your feelings and emotions you know someone hurts your feel bad as you feel bad right you hear what they said about me you hear how they're talking about me can you believe that he said rejoice and jump for joy if you need to because you're being persecuted for his name's sake and you're going to have a great reward but that won't happen automatically it happens because we, we make a decision to do what Jesus said to do. And you know what? Mary, the mother of our Lord, gave some great advice in John's gospel chapter 2. You know what she said? Whatever he says to do, do it. Didn't he say that? Didn't she say that? So whatever he said to do, do it. So if you're, if you're being persecuted, what are you supposed to do? Rejoice and leap for joy and be glad because you've got a great reward. The third thing, so important. God gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble. Grace is God's operational power. It's a powerful force. But notice this. You don't have to believe for the grace. The grace is automatically given. When a person walks in humility, the grace is already given. He gives grace to the humble. How does that work? Well, it's very simple. Ever touch a hot stove? You don't have to believe for the pain. It's going to happen automatically. Am I right? Just touch it and see. You'll burn your finger. It's automatic. It's automatic. When you walk in humility, you walk humbly before the Lord, grace will meet you, praise God, and operational power of God will be in manifestation in your life. Next one, he will exalt you in due time. He will exalt you. He will lift you up above the circumstances that you're encountering in due time. It may not be instant, but it will take place in due time. He will raise you up. He will lift you up. He will promote you. He will exalt you in that situation. Praise God. And Olivia, God is exalting you and lifting you up because you humbled yourself before him and said, You know what? I don't want what I want. I want what you want, Lord. And did he not lift you up? Did he not raise you up? Aren't you in a higher place and plane right now? Because God is faithful to his word and he'll do it. So with the right hand of his righteousness, he will uphold you and uplift you if we humble ourselves. Notice the next statement. For he careth for you. He cares for you. Did you know that... Casting your care upon the Lord is an expression of humility before God. Because what you're doing is you're saying this, I can't carry the burden. If I carry the burden, then I'm depending on myself. My dependency is on myself. But if I say, Lord, you're bigger than I am. You're stronger than I am. You're greater than I am. I'm casting the whole of this care, this concern, this worry, all anxieties upon you. I believe we can deal with stress a whole lot better if we just realize our need to humble ourselves before God and say, Why am I worried? Am I trusting in myself? If I'm trusting in myself, guess what? That's pride. That means I can do it. I think I can actually do it. But I'm not going to trust in myself. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. But I will remember the name of the Lord my God. They are brought down and fallen. But I'm arisen and stand uprightly. Why? Because I'm not trusting in myself. I cast the whole of my care upon the Lord because he cares for me. Then look at the next one because it just goes flows right into it. Number six, be sober and resist the devil. He said to be sober and... And resist the devil. Sometimes we don't put this all together to find out exactly what he's saying. He's talking about pride here. You realize that. He's talking about pride. We have to be sober, be vigilant, be aware. Know the fact that pride is what caused Lucifer to fall. And pride is what we've got to resist. Pride is what we've got to stand against. Because if we don't stand against pride, then we're going to get arrogant before God and think that we can do it on our own. But now notice in the book of Isaiah, chapter 14, and we'll see here, pride brought down Lucifer, who had a high place and position before the throne of God. How art thou fallen from heaven? O Lucifer, son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? Well, how'd that happen? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high. In other words, I'm going to take control of my own life. I'm not, I'm not content with where I'm at. I'm not satisfied with the boundaries that God established for me. Even though he had this high place and this high position, it wasn't high enough for him. He wanted to go beyond that and have what God had and receive all that God should have received. And as a result of his pride and arrogance, he fell to a low place in his life. And we know the story thereof. But the point is, that's exactly what he wants to do with all of us. To inject pride into our own hearts and lives. To make us think that we can do it on our own. And it's just not going to work that way. I guarantee you, it'll bring us all down. If we would. So acting independent of God is prideful. Acting in harmony with and dependency on God is an act of humility. I need you. I can't do it on my own. Some thoughts about pride I have listed here for us pride number one brings shame how many remember the story of nebuchadnezzar let's look at this verse first it brought shame to him when pride comes then comes shame they go hand in hand they go together they flow together but with the lowly is wisdom with the humble is wisdom a wise person but when pride comes shame comes nebuchadnezzar Got to a place where he took credit for everything he did in his kingdom. All the achievements that he had. As a matter of fact, when he gave his speech, he said, I, by my own hand, I've been able to do all this. Look at your own estate. Look at your own place where you live and all that. And don't be tempted by the devil to start saying, I did this all on my own. Oh, you had your part to play in it. But I guarantee you, one removal of the hand of God and the grace of God And you'll find yourself like a Nebuchadnezzar who was what? He lost his sanity. He lost his power. He lost his position. He lost his possessions. And he finds himself reveling in the ground like an animal for all those years. And finally, he got humble before God. And when he did, he got everything restored back. So what does it do? It brings shame. He went from a position of being a king to being ashamed of what he had become and there he was in that awful state number two second thing that it does it causes arguments look at the verse in proverbs 13 10 only by pride cometh contention but with the well-advised is wisdom you want to put an end to an argument got to get rid of the pride someone has to take the position of being humble and so, you know whether i'm right or whether i'm wrong I know the scripture says that I am not to be contentious because whether strife, there's every evil work and Satan will take you captive at his will. So it's important to humble ourselves and say, you know what? I'll be the one to take the higher road. I'll take responsibility for whatever, but I'm not going to let pride destroy my life, destroy my family, destroy my marriage, destroy my church. I'm not going to get caught up in all that to have arguments you know, whether it's in a marital relationship, I'm just going to be humble. Praise God and let God have His way. Number three, it destroys relationships. It destroys. Notice the word "destroy" and look at the verse, Proverbs 16:18. Pride, we know it. Pride goeth before what? Destruction. So, in other words, pride destroys and a haughty spirit before a fall. So, pride goes before destruction. Remember what Hosea 4, 6 says? My people are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. But did you also know that pride destroys? It can also destroy uh, relationships and families. If you go back to Adam and Eve, you find out they had a beautiful relationship with God. But that relationship was destroyed because they were not content with where they were at. They were once again tempted by the enemy to have the same mindset and philosophy that he held true to That they wanted to go beyond where they were. Eve wanted to go beyond where she was. And she saw the tree. She saw the temptation of the knowledge of good and evil. She wanted to know more, to have more, to experience more. She didn't believe that apparently that God uh, knew enough to put her in a place or a position where that was the boundary that she was to live in. So she goes to step beyond that, thinking that there's something more out there. And what happens? She destroyed the most important relationship that she had on the planet. The one she had with the living God. So pride is destructive. It will destroy. The next one. It'll bring us down. Look at the last one. It'll bring us down. In the book of Proverbs 29 and verse 23. It says a man's pride shall bring him low. But honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Let's go back to the beginning with Adam and Eve. Man was made in the likeness and image of God. You talk about a high position that he held. You talk about the glory that manifested through his being and her being when they were walking with God, talking with God in the cool of the day. We're talking about a very high position that they held. And again, the glory is probably something we can't even describe or define. But they fell. You talk about a fall, it'll bring you down. They fell from that place of being filled with the glory of God To a place of darkness when they were separated from God the effects of their pride affected them in spirit in soul and body they lost the glory that covered them and prevented them from even knowing they were naked and now they're ashamed you talk about pride bringing shame and now they're ashamed they have that high position before God now they're brought low In darkness, in spirit, in darkness, in soul, in darkness, in body. Think about it. We were lost, but now we're found. We were blind, but now we see. And we were blinded by the darkness that's in us. Darkness, praise God, right now we know is what's blinding people's minds from coming to the knowledge of the truth. And that's why we're missionaries of light and of life to let people know that Christ saves, heals, delivers, and sets free. And we need to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So pride will bring a person down, put a, bring a person low. If we want to be exalted, praise God, then we've got to understand humility. A person that's prideful won't want to change the way they think and the way they live. You know, I remember when I first got saved and I got involved in what is called the faith ministry. And I was being taught the principles of faith and how to live by faith and walk by faith. And it just blessed my heart. I began to see miracle after miracle take place. I mean, tremendous miracles that took place that spared lives and just just tremendous miracles. And getting together with other individuals that were in the ministry as well, some many older in, in, in ministry, some 30 years in ministry, and I was just in the ministry maybe the first year of my ministry. You know, and I would just talk and share a few things. Oh, you would think that I was the devil himself. I had reason to shout and jump and rejoice and be glad because I got persecuted like you wouldn't believe. You know why? Oh, you come from that ministry. Oh, you come from that faith camp. And I'm telling you, I said, well, what do you know about? I didn't even know that there was that attitude out there when I first came. I was just so innocent. I didn't know. I thought everybody believed the same way. I thought everybody was reading the same Bible I was reading, but apparently they weren't. I read somewhere in the Bible where it says Jesus said that if you speak to that mountain, it'll go, it'll obey you, and nothing will be impossible to you. Did you ever read that? In, in Matthew seventeen twenty, when he said that? In other words, he said, here's a way that all things will be possible to you. You speak to that mountain, that mountain will obey you, nothing will be impossible to you. But you've got to believe in your heart that what you say with your mouth will come to pass. And they, they would look at me and just say, oh, you're one of those. And they tagged you as a cult leader because you preached that, because you teach. I said, I didn't teach that, Jesus did well, what about that fellow that you're talking about where you went to school at? And I said, you mean Kenneth Hagin? Oh, yeah, I mean Kenneth Hagin. What about that? I said, well, what about it? He said, well, he's a heretic. I said, well, have you ever read any of his books? Uh, no. I said, where did you get that from then? Uh, so-and-so told me. I said, really? Where'd so-and-so get it from? See, pride will prevent a person from even speaking to their mountain. Pride will prevent a person from even changing the way they believe and the way they think, even when you lay it out there on the line, they can actually see it. You realize that? They're not going to change. I've been preaching this message of faith for 39 years here. And you know what? I do see a, pe- a lot of people that have changed ever since then. I-, I went from the lunatic, this, I guess, young whippersnapper, to where, how long you've been ministering? 39 years. You see, you've got a track record that's a proven track record. Then maybe they'll listen to you a little bit, but I don't know. But it doesn't matter to me. But what I'm saying is, when people get caught up in pride, they won't even change the way they think, even if it's for their own good, to their own detriment. I'm not going to change. This is the way I think. This is the way I believe. Well, okay. That's up to you. All right. Matthew 18. Jesus teaches on humility and the importance of humility. And he describes it. He defines it, basically, and it's very simple. Look at what he says. At the same time came the disciples to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Everybody say greatest. Is that your aspiration? To be the greatest? Is there something wrong with that? There shouldn't be. Jesus said, Who's the greatest? Okay, let's see, who's the greatest, Lord? Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as a little as little children, you shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall what? Shall what? Humble himself as this little child. The same as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Well, what great thing did this child do to define humility? Was there something great that he did that Jesus singled him out or called him up front to define humility? Did he have some kind of a track record or something like that? I don't think it had anything to do with any of that. You know what I believe it had to do with? Jesus said in the crowd, is there someone that's a child here? Is there a, maybe someone that's 10 years old or under here? Come here. Come here. And the child got up, walked up to the front, and stood right by Jesus. Guess what he did? He demonstrated humility. He subjected or submitted himself to the, you say, the request of Jesus. And he just came and obeyed. So what Jesus is saying, there are superiors that are going to give you an order. Make a request. Throw it out to you. This is what I want you to do. Either we're going to obey it or not obey it. One who is humble, who is the greatest to one who says, is this what Jesus said to do? If that's what he said to do, then I'm going to do it. If he said not to do it, then I'm not going to do it. In other words, I am humbly submitting myself to the requests of my Lord as revealed to me in Scripture, which demonstrates humility. Look in Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 23. Now notice there's a reward for this. Call no man your father on the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your Slave master? You're what? Oh. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. So once again, what does Jesus reveal to us? In the house of the humble, we have riches, honor, life, and now greatness. Greatness. And someone who is of a heart of humility will be a servant to serve all. So we can define humility as having a thought and attitude toward ourselves that says, I'm here to serve. See, servanthood is a part of humility. And God wants me to serve him in some capacity, some way or another. The main way is by living our lives according to his ways and his will. Look in Philippians chapter 2 because we have our classic perfect example of the definition of humility. Let this mind, notice it's a talking about a mindset, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So what did he do? What was his part? humble himself become a man take on the role of a servant and be obedient that was his part to play in humbling himself and what did the scripture say that god will do to the humble he will exalt him and lift him up notice the next part wherefore god also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of jesus Every knee should bow up things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Hallelujah. So Jesus humbled himself and the father highly exalted him how did he humble himself became a man became a servant was obedient and he said i only do what i see my father do i only say what i hear my father say i'm not acting on my own i'm not taking any credit for any accomplishment or any achievement whatsoever i completely trust god with my life my father with anything and everything i am and all that i have so he finally died the lowest form of humiliation He became sin for us. He took upon himself the wrath of God. Entered the bowels of the earth where he suffered the wrath of God. But God raised him up from the lowest to the highest position in the universe. All because he humbled himself. You talk about the footsteps that we should follow in. Now James, the half-brother of our Lord, said it this way. Look at James chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resists the proud. If we think... The world resists us. The devil resists us. Our flesh resists us. Our reasoning resists us. We don't want to know what it means to have God resist us, do we? God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So submit yourself. See, humility is submission. I'm submitting to what you want for my life, Lord. I'm content with where I'm at, with what I have. How many here want to get promoted? If you want to get promoted, Then be content with where you're at. Obey God with where you're at, with what you're doing, how you're living. Are you serving? Are you walking with God? You position yourself to be highly exalted and promoted by the hand of God. So submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Notice this. Resist the devil. Resist pride, arrogance, and thinking that you can do it on your own. And he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and... He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaven. Humble yourself. Now notice this next expression. In the sight of your neighbor. In the sight of your parents. In the sight of the Lord. If we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, do you think he's watching? Do you think he's looking? Do you think he sees what's going on in our lives? I humble myself in your sight. It doesn't matter what anybody else says or what they see. I'm humbling myself to live my life the way you want me to live it. And what did he say he would do? He would lift us up. My responsibility is to humble myself before God. You realize just being here today, you're humbling yourself. You are serving him. Just by being here, supporting his work, joining with other believers as he's asked us to. So God gave us instructions how to live our lives. And it's up to us to determine whether or not we're going to follow his instructions. But if we prioritize our lives and we fear him and walk in humility, you know how that will look played out in life? Husbands will submit to the father. Wives will submit to their husbands in all humility. Children will submit to their parents out of reverence and respect for God. Employers and employees will have a good relationship because employees will work hard for their employers because they honor God. And he said, don't do it with eye service when your boss is watching you. You do it knowing that the greatest boss of all is watching you and you're working for him, not just for this guy on the earth. It'll change us from the inside out. It will set us on the path of promotion. Where God then will take our lives and lift us up to a higher place. Why? Because we're walking in the fear of God and humility. Now without humility, we're not going to be able to walk in love as he loved us. We're not going to be able to forgive as he forgived us. We're not going to be able to serve as he forgave us. We're not going to be able to serve as He served us as Jesus served us. It takes someone with humility that says, you know what? I need to do it God's way. I need to live God's way. God can't make us and won't make us do what we don't want to do. Amen. He couldn't make you come here today. You came on your own. He can't make you forgive someone. You've got to forgive on your own and humble yourself. Has someone wronged you? Has someone spoken something that you didn't like to hear recently? If that's happened and you're harboring something in your heart, don't be fooled by the devil. As a matter of fact, you should be considering it an honor and a privilege to play out your faith and just say, you know what? It doesn't matter. As far as I'm concerned, I'm going to forgive as I was forgiven. Remember the Matthew 18 principle where Jesus talked about forgiving the person this great debt, that you were forgiven the great debt You should forgive the lesser debt. Well, in this one Bible that I have, I believe it's right here. I looked at the margin because it says that he was forgiven this great debt. And that great debt, if it was in silver, it says was fifty eight million eight hundred thousand dollars. And he was forgiven that great debt. But this fella owed him forty four dollars. He was forgiven 58 million. He was owed 44. He was debt free. He demands this man who owes him 44 dollars pay up. Or go to prison. And the Lord said if that's your attitude. If that's the way you're going to be. Then you know what? Take him and turn him over to the tormentors. Until he pays his full debt to 58 million dollars. What a lesson we can learn from that. Has someone wronged you in any way? What are we told to do? Forgive as we've been forgiven. Don't even be tempted to hold a grudge. Don't even be tempted to say, I'm not going to even interact with that person anymore. As a matter of fact, if he tells you not to give to someone, you know, you might want to give to someone. And and maybe uh, for some reason you say, I'll never give to that person. But the Lord says to give. And the devil comes along and says, don't you dare give. Double it. And say, devil, you say that one more time, I'll triple it. You silence him in a heartbeat. Forgive as you've been forgiven. This is called humility. When we recognize what we've been forgiven when we recognize how much God has invested in our lives, when we recognize how valuable some other person is, and maybe that person might rub you the wrong way, but that person, Jesus, shed his blood for that person and wants to probably use you to get to that person and show that person the right way. So because you love them, you forgive them, and you serve, you're a servant, you have a servant's heart, you're humbling yourself before God, he will exalt you in due season, he will promote you, praise God, and... Give you much more than you can do for yourself. Okay, once again, in that Proverbs 22 and verse 4 that it said, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. And notice this. We added to it what Jesus said you'll be the greatest. Didn't he say you'll be the greatest? Those that serve and those that are humble. Okay. If those aren't evident in some person's life, there are those that are out there that say, Well, it must be a lack of faith, that you're lacking faith. You know, you're not making the right confessions I want us all to hear this, myself included. Making the right confession does not override disobedience or pride. You can confess, I can confess all I want. But if I'm harboring in my heart pride and arrogance, my confession is meaningless. It's falling upon deaf ears. You realize that? It's up to us to recognize our need to be humble before God. Get rid of the pride and arrogance. If you recall the story of Naaman the leper, al Naaman the leper was a man, you know, so dignified and prestigious as far as he was concerned. You know, he's way up there as far as he is concerned. Everybody else is way down here because of his position, and he is told to go on down where he can get healed of his leprosy. And when he gets to Elisha, uh, what does he? What does he do? He gets in a tirade because he's so upset because the prophet didn't come out and greet him like he should, two dignitaries meeting together, people that are way up there above everybody else. And what does Elisha do? Sends out his servant, and he comes out and says, just go dip in the river seven times, and you'll come out clean. He didn't like that. It had to be his way. I thought that you would just come out. We'd greet. Fox News would be there. CNN would be there. All the, you know, networks would be there. And then, um, you know, they probably do a nice film we'd sit down and talk together and all that maybe you lift up your hands call upon your god everybody watch a miracle take place right here that's how i thought it would be he said no you just tell me to go dip in a river he walked away angry full of pride and arrogance but his servant said to him see it takes a servant isn't that something his servant says to him hey hey naaman if he told you to do something that was great and heroic would you do it sure i would well then go dip in a river So it's muddy. So what? You'll come out with no leprosy. Are you crazy? Go dip. So he goes and dips. And I love to say this part. Because you see, the first thing he had to do was take off his coat that identified him with all the markings of all his successes and victories that he had. Take off your first layer of pride like an onion. Peel it off, Naaman. He takes that off, and he got to take off his his other clothing. He's got to dip in the river muddy river one time two times up to seven times every layer of pride is coming off this guy until finally there's no more pride left well guess what when he finally found himself humbling himself before almighty god all the leprosy was gone all the leprosy was gone see it's not a matter of confessing our faith all the time sometimes i've heard people say i've done everything right it can't be me And I like to tell them, I know it must be God, right? He's missed it. I know God's missed it. I, I counseled a couple one time and it was, they were in need of a, of a miracle in their lives. And, and I was, I don't do this. I'm, I'm more of a reserved person. I don't push myself. And so the fellow called me the next day and says, well, what's your observation? What do you think's blocking our miracle from coming? and i said you want me to be honest with you and they said absolutely that's why we asked you to come over and share with us i said okay i'm going to give it to you i said the problem is pride got real quiet just like here. just oh i said what do you mean he said what do you mean and i said well pride i said because you see when i said this verse of scripture i didn't even get the first out of my mouth i know that i want to give the next scripture i know that i want to give the next i know that and i walked away and i because he called me Wanted an answer. I said. Knowing it. And knowing it. Are two different things. You may know what it says. But you're not knowing it. Experiencing it in reality. I said you see. And we all got to realize this. You may know the scripture. But it's prideful to say. I know that. So it can't be me. Mm -mm. We may know what it says. But we should be humble enough to say. Lord. I know what it says. But it's not happening. Since it's not happening, what do I need to do to change, to make it happen? Because you can't miss it. You're never wrong. You always come through. It's up to me to change, to do what I need to do so that I can line myself up with your word and what it says so I can experience reality. And you know what? I give them credit. They did and got their miracle. Uh, Let's look at the last and then we'll close here. We can be humble in one area, not in another. And this is so important. Do you know for you to come to Christ, you had to humble yourself? When I came to Christ after being 24 years in a church that was never, I was never taught about being born again, I had to humble myself and admit, I had to admit that I didn't know you must be born again. I wanted to go to heaven, but I was never told how to get to heaven. I had to leave everything behind and just say, this is what God said. Jesus said, you must be born again. I exalted his word above everything else, and I got born again that way. But then secondly, they get filled with the Holy Ghost. To so get filled with the Holy Ghost, even today, many people, they're too dignified, you know, and they, they don't want to speak with other tongues and get the fullness of the Spirit. Let me tell you something right now. I'm not telling you that you should be filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus said you should be filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus said to his disciples, you go and tarry wait till, you, till the day of Pentecost when the power comes from on high. And don't do anything until you're empowered by the Spirit. They didn't know what to expect. They went and got filled with the Holy Ghost. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there as well. Mary, mother of Jesus, was a Pentecostal. She was on the day of Pentecost. She got filled with the Holy Ghost. She spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave utterance. And you know what? That's not preached. Why isn't it preached? The first Italians, the first Italians were Pentecostals. Read it, Acts chapter ten. Cornelius, he was the leader of the Italian band. There's always a leader. He was the godfather of the Italian band. <laughs> think about it. He was the godfather of the Italian man and they all got filled with the Holy Ghost. So the Jewish camp got filled with the Holy Ghost, the Gentile camp, all that was the hand of God at work. That wasn't the work of man because they didn't even know that they could or that they should. But what does it take to get filled with the Holy Ghost? Humility. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and what will he do? Lift you up and fill you with the Holy Ghost and power. And the list goes on and on, whether it's healing or anything else. And to become a servant. And you know what? We want to stress this. You know why? Because every child of God should be a servant. We should serve Christ. to serve God some way, somehow. Being participating in a church. In a missionary outreach work. Whether you're doing music and music ministry. Teaching, etc, etc, etc. Every one of us should be serving the Lord some way, somehow. Can you say amen? But you know what I love about God? The choice is ours. We have to make that decision. It's up to us to make the right choice. To say, okay, I want to serve you. So the path to greatness is paved with what? Humility and the fear of God. So we've got to decide. And there's no condemnation. It's just truth. Amen?